Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Your level of success that you want is always a level 10. You're never going to exceed your level of personal development, like he said. And I looked in the mirror and I went, all right, I want level 10 success, but my level of personal development is like a two. The way that I define personal development, that's just, that's who you are as a person. It's your, let your knowledge, your in, your level of energy, who you are. And as you develop yourself to be a level 10 person, then level 10 success eventually will meet you head on. This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Edwin Frandozo. Welcome. How are you doing today? Thank you for joining me. This is this is a milestone episode, episode number 70. And my guest today is Hal Elrod. Hal, he's the author of the Miracle Morning book and executive producer of the Miracle Morning movie. Hal's on a mission to elevate the consciousness of humanity one morning at a time. It was a pleasure speaking to Hal as his book, Miracle Morning, changed my life. My morning routine contains many of his teachings and his theories, so I'm really happy, really excited to share the conversation I had with him. In our conversation, we discuss his incredible story on how and where he started selling Cutco knives at, at the early age of 19. We talk about his accident that left him dead for six minutes and what he learned from that that crazy episode of his life we talk about how business leaders can benefit from the miracle mornings and what two things that are preventing you from being a morning person this episode is brought to you by dell small business empowering canadian entrepreneurs with the tools technology and resources they need to succeed the business leadership podcast is a friend of the itwc podcast network and supported by our media partners, IT World Canada. Now, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Hal. Hey, Edwin, it's an honor, man. Thanks for having me. Long time coming. Yes, definitely, definitely. But Hal, why don't you, you know, start off by introducing yourself to our listeners. Ideally, I'd like you to tell us something a bit about yourself, who you are, and what you like to do when you're not, I guess, you know, leading businesses or or elevating the consciousness of humanity one morning at a time. I mean, I'm doing that always, so I don't know. Um, no, so for me, uh, I guess where to start, where where it gets interesting, at least uh, when mm. I was 19 years old, I started a career in direct sales, and I was hired to sell Cutco cutlery. And I quit my dream job at the time because it wasn't really making a lot of money, and I I saw a greater opportunity, at least financially, with with uh, in sales. But mm. I was a DJ on the radio, so I was known as Yo Pal Hal. I was a radio DJ on 97.1 FM in the Central Valley of California and uh, took the job selling Cutco. Really didn't know what to expect. A buddy of mine really kind of like pushed me. He's like, come on, come on. He just kept bugging me. And I finally, to get him off my back, was like, all right, I'll do it. I'll try selling Cutco knives. It's like the weirdest job ever. And did you start by selling with your friends and family? Yeah. So with Cutco, so yeah, it's not a network marketing uh, deal where you're trying to recruit people, uh, but it is direct sales. And you do start out with people that you know to kind of get practice, if you will. And uh, and then you are trained to ask for referrals. Um, and uh, I would average like, you know, 10 to 15 referrals for every appointment that I did. Wow. And uh, or I probably started out at like seven to 10. And then I got, I figured out how it was really important to get referrals. So I got, I worked my way up to, I got, I just basically focused on how getting good at that part of the job. And I figured if I got, if I got really good at that part of the job, that would mean I was good at building a relationship with the, the prospect or a customer to where they felt comfortable with me and they trusted me and they liked me. And they, if, the focus for me was on uh, gaining their trust and and affection to want to refer people to me. I figured that would lead to sales because if they were that comfortable with me and they trusted mm-hmm. me that much, then you know then the buying was going to happen you know uh, as well. Uh, and that's kind of what happened. I you know I so I went from the company average I think was like three to five referrals uh, per appointment. I I would I started out I was better than average, like seven to 10. And then I got to where I was getting uh, 15 to 20, I think, uh, you know, within I don't know, six months of my, 
my sales career. But 10, 10 days in, I broke the company record and I sold more Cutco in my first 10 days. I broke the company record. It's called the fast start record. And um, then anybody in the 50 year history of the company, I think there was one guy like on the, e- I broke the Western region record. And then there was like an Eastern region record that I, that was bigger than, than what I had done. But, uh, but yeah, so it was really like, you know, not what I was expecting. And that really took my life on a whole different path. And um, a year later, a year and a half later, I was giving a speech at one of our conferences. Mm -hmm. And after the speech, I was driving home in a brand new Ford Mustang. I just bought my first new car with my own money. Nice. And a drunk driver in a full-size Chevy truck, much larger than my little Ford Mustang, got on the freeway and he got on the off-ramp. So instead of getting on the on-ramp, he got on the off ramp, which was headed against my my the traffic that I was, you know, the the flow of cars that I was in. Of course. And this uh, full size Chevy truck. I don't remember him coming at me, but we collided head on at uh, roughly seventy miles per hour each for you know one hundred and forty mile an hour head on collision. I bounced off the drunk driver, and uh, uh, the car behind me smashed into the driver's side, my driver's side door, and uh, I broke instantly, broke eleven bones. The entire left side of my body was just devastated, shattered. Uh, I and I bled to death. I was actually I died at the scene of the accident. Oh my, my heart stopped beating for six minutes. I was in a coma for six days and rushed to the hospital, and uh, spent six days in a coma and, and woke up to face this reality that I had all these broken bones. Doctors said I would never walk again. Uh, I have permanent brain damage, which my, my wife will vouch for that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, man. And that was what I call my first rock bottom, if you will, just like an unimaginable adversity where I had to face this news of never walk, being able to walk again and, and you know, and, uh, and how I was going to respond to that. So that's, I mean, that's just so fascinating. It really blows my mind. And, and you, you said it, Hal, it's really unimaginable what what a man or a person could do or, or you know, to walk away from that literally in terms of that. So real, real question, quick question is what did you learn from that episode? Like being on the top of the world and then dropping down and, and like starting literally like you're a child again. Yeah. The, the lesson that I learned and there really is, you know, I mean, there's a few, but there was a singular lesson that has stuck with me. In fact, I'm actually I'm writing a new book right now, and my, I'm working with a uh, an a, an editor, and we're we're working on the chapter that is teaching this lesson right now. And um, the lesson is uh, that every basically the 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 outcome of the lesson. I'll start there. Is how to uh, become what I call emotional and emotionally invincible, or achieve emotional invincibility. And it's the idea that. You are completely in control of your emotions, no matter what happens to you, what happens around you, um, you're in control. And essentially, it gives you the power to always be in a peak physical or I'm sorry, a mental and emotional state. Mm-hmm. And then therefore, not only are you happy, uh, not only is your stress very low, but you can really handle anything that comes your way. And so what I learned is that every negative emotion that we've ever felt is self-created. And we think it's the thing that causes the emotional pain. Well, you know, we justify it. Of course, I'm sad. Look at what I lost. Or of course, I'm angry. Look at what he did. You know, you, you'd be angry too. Of course, I'm upset. Look at what happened. And we, we, we point to the thing outside of ourselves as the cause of our emotional pain. And what I realized is I, I realized I can't change if I'm if I never walk again, if I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life, I can't change that. But I can choose to be the happiest and the most grateful person that you've ever seen in a wheelchair. And I can choose to be the happiest, most grateful I've ever been while I go while my body is healing and I'm going through the most difficult time in my life. And because I fully accepted the circumstances that I couldn't change, I wasn't happy about them necessarily, but it was more powerful than that. I was at peace with them. Happiness is an emotion. You can be happy one second and then angry, you know, phone call can change that. But when you learn how to accept all things that you can't change, everything out of your control, and and you might say, well, well, how do you know what you can and can't change? Well, anything that's ever happened to you falls in the category of you can't change it, right? If it was, whether it was one second ago or a decade ago, or right, you can't change it once it's happened. So the only choice we have is either we get angry, upset about it and give it negative emotional energy, or we accept it. We can't change it. We make peace with it. And because I did that, I, you know, I learned to walk again in three weeks. The doctors were wow. dumbfounded. And, uh, and I was so happy and positive that the doctors called my parents in one day and told them they thought I was in denial. 
that I was delusional because they said, it's not normal. Hal's, there's something going on here. He's always smiling and laughing and joking. And that's not normal for a 20-year-old young man that's being told he's never going to walk again. And so I apply that lesson now and I teach it when I speak, you know, um, to uh, even in traffic, like here's a, you know, doesn't have to be as extreme adversity. When we hit traffic, we normally resist that. We're like, oh no, God, I'm going to be late. Gosh. And we focus on putting a negative emotional energy into the thing that we can't change, which is the pace of the cars in front of us, the consequence of us being late, et cetera. And I realized that this is a universal law, universal principle that the key that unlocks the door to emotional freedom or emotional invincibility, as I sometimes call it, is acceptance. When we consciously choose to accept everything as it is, rather than resisting our reality and wishing it were different than it can be, we give ourselves the gift of emotional of peace which leads to emotional freedom. And so no matter what happens around me or what happens around you, when you accept it, mm-hmm. you, it doesn't matter. You, 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 you live free from emotional pain. And, you know, we, we don't, we can go into the story later if it fits, but you know, a year and a half ago, I was diagnosed with a really rare aggressive form of cancer and mm-hmm. I was given a 20 to 30% chance of living. Now that's hard for anybody to hear, you know, and as a parent, I, it's even harder because, you know, I've got a, a an eight-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son that I'm literally thinking, okay, there's a 20 to 30% chance that I'm going to live, which is these also means there's a 70 to 80% chance I'm going to die. And however, I can't change what I can't change. So I'm going to accept it. I'm going to be at peace with it. And I literally, I mean, you can ask my friends and they all thought I was crazy like the doctors did, but I, I, I was at peace with the fact that I had cancer the entire time. I thought I can be the happiest and the most grateful I've ever been in during the most difficult time in my life by simply accepting it as it is and choosing the emotions that would best serve me along the journey. And that's a choice that we can make every single day, no matter what is happening to us. No, that's amazing, Hal, and uh, thank you for sharing that story. Uh, you're an inspiration, and I was really, I was really pumped to to get this interview with you. I uh, and I'll get into it a bit more, but I've been, I've read the Miracle Morning. I practice my morning ritual. I have I've used yours, so I hear your voice all the time. But I also <laughs> my my morning my my morning journaling is actually integrated with the morning pages. So I ra- I rate like three, oh, nice. four pages of eight and eight and a half and eleven, but. Uh, I wanted to get into that for those who might be new to you or or even morning rituals. Um, so you started the morning miracle. I think this was fast forward after and in, after the accident and before a year and a half ago. Um, yeah. So, but two thousand eight was when I started practicing the miracle morning. Yeah. So it, it was a it became a best best selling book and now it's it's a worldwide worldwide movement, right, Hal? So, and it's it's practiced by I don't know I think over half a million of people or more. I know I'm part of the Facebook group, so it's amazing and I love being part of that and, and just feeling that energy. So I, I really curious is how is the miracle morning elevating the consciousness of humanity and for me and my community business leaders as well. Yeah, the Miracle Morning was not a book idea. I mean, it was 2008 when the U.S. economy crashed, and I crashed with it, if you will. Right. Um, I lost over half my clients, and my business just you know was tanking, and I, I was I was losing money and and living on credit cards. I lost my house. I couldn't pay the mortgage, and I stopped going to the gym. I canceled the gym membership because you know just any unnecessary expense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got really really depressed because it was just this downward spiral where like I was losing more and more clients, more and more money going further and further in debt. And, uh, after six months, of this downward spiral, I, I just started Googling one day. It was actually a friend gave me this advice to go listen to a Jim Rohn audio and the Jim Rohn audio. He, Jim Rohn said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development because success is something you attract by the person you become. And when I heard that, it was an epiphany and it really became the catalyst for changing my life faster than I ever thought was possible. And what, what the way that I interpreted what Jim said, and I'll say it again, he said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development because success is something you attract by the person you become. And the way I, I took that is on a scale of one to 10, and let me, I can ask you this, Edwin, on a scale of one to 10, if we're measuring success in any area of life, not just business, but health, you know, uh, energy, uh, relationships, you name it, mm-hmm. what level of success do we want? I think you want a 10 everywhere. 
Right. Yeah. Everybody. That's one thing that human beings share in common is mm-hmm. we all want to fulfill our potential. Now, sadly, very few people do. Of course. But everybody has that like innate desire to live life at its fullest and achieve level 10 success in every area. And the way that I interpreted this from Jim is your level of success that you want is always a level 10, but you're never going to exceed your level of personal development. Like he said, and I looked in the mirror and I went, all right, I want level 10 success, but my level of personal development is like a two, right? maybe like a three on a good day. (laughs) And, and, And by the way, let me pause the way that I define personal development. That's just, that's who you are as a person. It's your, let your knowledge, your, in your level of energy, your, um, your emotion, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual capacities, right? It's just, it's who you are. And, and as you develop yourself to be a level 10 person, then level 10 success eventually will meet you head on. Essentially, your level of success parallels your level of personal development. So my epiphany was I got to go home and I got to create like, I got to create a personal development ritual that I do every day. And then as I'm doing, I'm going online and I'm Googling things like the best personal development rituals, you know, uh, you know, and I'm Googling best personal development rituals in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, best practices of personal development. Uh, you know, what do CEOs do for personal development? What do I'm trying to get the best of the best. And I had a list of six practices and I was trying to figure out which one to do. And the, the real epiphany was when I went, wait a minute. And, and by the way, let me, I'll list these off. These, this is yeah. an acronym savers, silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. And I, we can go more into those here in, in a few minutes, but um, none of them were new, by the way. Like it wasn't like, and I, I was like, and I hadn't heard of meditation. I hadn't heard, like, I've heard of all of these. And I think we make a mistake sometimes. Our brain, our society, our culture, we want new, mm-hmm. right? The new app, the new phone, the new movie, the new, it's, it's like, it's, it, we want new. So when we hear things that we've heard before, I think our brain sometimes tunes it out. I'm like, nah, I've heard of all of these. Like, where's the new thing that's going to change my world really exactly, fast? Right. And, but then I, the, I realized, wait a minute. These are the practices of the world's most successful people for centuries, right? <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't ignore them, yeah. you know? Um, like visualization is one of them. Well, the, almost all of all world-class athletes practice visualization. Well, why would I be too good for that, right? Um, and so my epiphany again was when I went, what if I did all of these? Mm-hmm. What if instead of picking one, because I was trying to find the best one to do in the morning, I thought, what if I did all six of these? What if I woke up tomorrow morning an hour earlier? And I wasn't a morning person. So that was like the hardest thing for me to get over is to wake up an hour earlier. And I thought, all right, I guess that means a le- an hour less of Netflix binging at night, right? Like I, I you know, I'm, I'm thinking I, I got to give something up here to, to make an improvement. And I woke up the next morning, I did all six practices and even though I sucked at them, like I didn't know how to meditate. I was terrible at it, right. but I still felt incredible. And that morning, that first morning, again, this wasn't called the miracle morning. It wasn't a book idea. It was just doing these six practices. And that morning I went, wait a minute, if I start every day like this, like I felt on fire, I felt, and I had been so depressed and like, uh, you know, losing hope. And I, I felt hopeful. I felt, I thought if I start every day like this, it's only a matter of time before I can, I become the person that I need to be to create the success that I really want in my life. And two months later, I had more than doubled my income in two months, doubled my income, went from being in the worst shape of my life physically, where I hadn't exercised at all for six months to committing to run 52 miles in one day. I committed to run an all double marathon, an ultra marathon. And I wasn't a runner, but that was like part of this new, you know, what, what was becoming the miracle morning. It wasn't called that yet, but it was like, I, I felt on fire and I wanted to keep challenging myself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually in different ways. And last but not least, my depression was gone. And so because my life changed so profoundly in those two months, which is really such a short amount of time, it felt like a miracle. I told my fiance at the time, she's my wife now, but I said, sweetie, this is, I'm calling this my miracle morning Mm -hmm. because it literally is this morning ritual. It's a miracle what it's done for me. And then I taught it to my coaching clients. Um, They had the same response. Every single one of them said, I'm not a morning person. And then I basically, you know, kind of told them what I just told everybody. And they were like, all right, how that's, that makes sense. I guess, you know, how I start my day will set the tone for how I live my day. And if I become a better version of myself every day, I'll, I'll be achieve greater levels of success. All right, I'm in, I'll give it a try. And every single one of them came back a week later on our coaching call. And they're like, 
dude, it worked. I'm a morning person now. Like this is crazy. And they all had their best results ever. Best sales, you know, week ever. Read books, got back to extra, whatever they were applying it to, they saw the results. And um, and now to 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 kind of hit the tail end of your question of how are you know business leaders? How is this elevating them? Well, when I used to coach managers, and I don't do a lot of coaching anymore, but I would do one on one coaching managers. The um, uh, and they were you know region managers, division managers. I what I would one of the first things I would teach them is to create a culture of personal development in their organization. And the idea is this: is if in the same way that the Miracle Morning and that personal development will helps the individual succeed. Well, if you can help all of the individuals in your organization under your leadership elevate themselves from a level two, three, or four, or five to a six, seven, eight, nine, or 10, then they show up to work and they're more emotionally intelligent. They're more motivated. They actually have more physical energy by exercising in the morning and doing some of that, those practices. And then all of a sudden, collectively, your entire organization elevates their game one person at a time and you see greater results. So something that, you know, that I would do is I started creating this culture of personal development or, or teaching my, the, the leaders that I was coaching how to do this. And, and it started out, it could be as simple as a book club. And eventually when the Miracle Morning came out, you know, they would, they would have their, <laughs> miracle, their, their we, we get orders all the time from CEOs that will order 250 copies of the book or 50 copies or whatever. And they will, that's simply how they infuse personal development in their organization. They have all of their members read the Miracle Morning, all their clients, all their salespeople, et cetera. And then, um, and then they start, you know, they'll, they'll do like a 30 day challenge so that it becomes a habit. And then all of a sudden their, their employees or their workers or whoever, their sales teams are coming in fired up at work at levels they've never been at before. And when, like when I speak at events, it's always, uh, you know, a leader that read the book mm-hmm. that says, we've got to teach this to our team. And then they, that's how I keynote, they bring me into, you know, to, to teach it. So, um, so that's really, it's helping leaders. Of course, if they are practicing the miracle morning, they are raising their game and then to infuse it in their organization, it becomes a, you know, collectively it happens uh, you know, at a company or, or whatever the organization is. Yeah. And, and even to add Hal, and I know this was in the book and me being a father, my daughter's two years old, I think something that you had wrote or or at least spoke about was the fact that you know you're you're working on yourself before everyone so not only are are you becoming a better better business leader you're becoming you you're bringing the best father in you or the best friend or the best husband or the best everything for the rest of the day so it really resonated with me and and I, I really see that and really sharing that and I do share the book with with my teams and people around me as well so that's great so how are you enjoying the conversation that Hal and I are having I mean Hal is such an inspiration he has so much energy I was just in awe just listening to him and, and couldn't believe that I was talking to the person that basically wrote my morning routine. This episode is brought to you by Dell Small Business. Dell understands the hard work and dedication that goes behind running a small business and a podcast. Specifically, for me, the flexibility to work from anywhere with a mobile-first approach. There's nothing small about your small business. If you're enjoying this episode, please sign up to our monthly newsletter where, where I share my latest interviews, my live podcast events, and anything that is happening in my life. Go to thebusinessleadership.com slash newsletter. Now let's get back to it. One thing I need to get into it as well, and, and it's really talk about those six. I know you mentioned it, the savers. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I read or I heard as well is that Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad Poor Dad, does the savers as well. So, so can you quickly describe to us what Savers is? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and I'll start by saying Robert Kiyosaki, yeah, he re- who, you know, one of my favorite books of all time, <laughs> Rich Dad Poor Dad, he reached out to me and said he had read The Miracle Morning three times and he might have read it more since then. It's one of his favorite books of all time. And uh, he practices it every day with his wife. And he said it has improved. I mean, it was just, you know, it was, it's crazy to hear Robert talk about it that way. But, um, and I get emails from people. They're like, yeah, I'm in South Africa. And Robert just gave a keynote and he talked for five minutes about the miracle morning about your book. I'm like, that's crazy. That's awesome. But 
Yeah, I'm like it, it, it's still I get giddy when I think about it because I'm, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of his, you know. But um, but anyway, so so here are the six practices. Um, and and I will say they were not a fancy acronym until my wife. I was writing the book one day and uh, I was frustrated. She goes, "What's wrong?" I said. I need some sort of like way to organize these six practices. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of random hodgepodge. I didn't invent any of them. And I said, you know, Stephen Covey has the seven high- habits of highly effective mm-hmm. people. And Robert Kiyosaki's got the cash flow quadrant. You know, people, authors always have these systems that they organize things into. And I said, I, 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 this is just all random. And she goes, why don't you get the thesaurus out and see if any of the words that you're, that are, you know, that represent the practices, if there's other words and that you can make it into an acronym. And I, you know, I kissed her on the face. I'm like, you're brilliant. And meditation became silence, Mm -hmm. right? So that's the first S and then journaling became scribing, which is the last S. And if you, you know, originally it was M at the end and a J at the end, it was the Maverja, right? Like we just, (laughs) just didn't quite flow as well as savers. So, so yeah, so I'll run through these real quick and I'll, I'll, maybe I'll give a couple tips here on each one. So the first S is for silence and that can be meditation and or prayer. And in fact, I'm really glad it became an S for silence because it really allowed me to incorporate prayer. Uh, and a lot of people that, you know, if, if someone is spiritual or religious, uh, that may be something that they want to do in place of meditation or for most people, they do both a little bit of meditation, a little bit of prayer. Mm -hmm. So that's a period of silence and it's starting, you know, there are over 1400 scientific studies published that, that are, have proven these, the benefits of meditation and not just spiritual benefits, but actual physical, intellectual benefits where it lowers your cortisol levels, it lowers your stress, it improves your cognitive abilities so you think clear, you make better decisions. I read an article early on called, it was something like Fortune 500 uh, CEOs who swear by meditation. I was like, all right, well, you know, they are, they're doing it not just for these spiritual benefits, but because it actually sh- helps them be sharper at work throughout the day. The A is for affirmations and affirmations. The way that I teach all of the savers in the book, I'm big. Like I struggle with things that are really fluffy, airy, fairy, woo woo. Right. I I, I want, I like, I want results. I'm really results oriented. I, I really want something practical. So I think that's one thing that makes the miracle morning unique and why it resonates with people is I, I, I really take all these practices that are more kind of ancient, you know, woo airy fairy. And I, I, I bring a very left brain, uh, you know, practical results oriented approach. I'll give you these affirmations as an example. The way that affirmations have been taught, uh, I think a lot of people have maybe tried them and failed or they don't even try them because of one of two ways. Number one, they've been taught by self-help gurus to use the um, to lie to yourself, right? So if you want to be a millionaire, you're taught just put the words I am in front of whatever you want to be. So I am a millionaire. I am a millionaire. And the idea is you say it enough times and you, you're tricking yourself into believing it. Um, but the reality is the truth will always prevail. And if you're saying I am a blank, but you're not that blank, your brain, whether consciously or unconsciously, is going to go, they're going to, you know, it's going to fight you. It's like, no, you're not. You're like, I'm a millionaire. No, you're not. Shut up. I'm doing my affirmations. Yeah, right? yeah. So the truth will always prevail. The second way affirmations have been taught is to use this flowery passive language that makes you feel good in the moment. Here's a really popular financial affirmation uh, that you may have heard Mm -hmm. or some version of this. Money flows to me effortlessly and in abundance. (laughs) I am a money magnet, right? Like That's not how money works. It doesn't flow to you effortlessly and in abundance. You got to work for money. You have to put value into the world and then you'll probably be reimbursed for that value or compensated for the value. So, one of those are the two ways that affirmations have been taught for I don't know how long, probably since before I was born. The way that I teach affirmations in the Miracle Morning, and this is really an example of what, how I teach all of the savers in this practical way. Uh, four steps to creating affirmations that will produce results. Number one, not what you want, but what you're committed to. So if you want to be a millionaire, that's great. But say, don't say, I am a millionaire. Don't even say, I want to be a millionaire. Say, I am committed to becoming a millionaire. Right. And you can go further by, you know, by adding you know, when you're going to do like by age 40 or whatever. So that's step one is phrase your affirmations in the form of a commitment to some activity, to some, some result. The second aspect is why is it deeply meaningful to you? Right? So I'm committed to becoming a millionaire so that I can provide financial fan, uh, security mm-hmm. 
for my family and for myself because we deserve it or whatever, right? So why is it deeply meaningful? What What's the why that's going to drive you to wake up and, and follow through with whatever's necessary to make that result a reality? The third step is which activities are you committed to? So I want, I'm committed to becoming a millionaire by age 40 um, because I want to provide financial freedom for my family. Uh, and then number three, so I will work for one hour a day on my, you know, on activities to produce financial freedom or, or whatever. You can be as specific as you need to. Of course, the more specific, the better. And speaking of specific, step four is the win. Mm-hmm. When will you commit to doing those activities? So I'll take this formula. When I was uh, trying to have my best year ever in my sales career, I said, I am committed to selling blank uh, amount of Cutco, right? I was 24. Five, I think. Yeah. So I'm committed to selling. I was it, the number was two hundred thousand dollars of Cutco kitchen knives, right? Uh, why? And my here's my why, by the way, which I, I'm excited to share this because this to me is the most universal why for all of us for any goal we're working towards. So I was committed to selling two hundred thousand dollars of Cutco, not to make money. It was to become the person that I needed to be, who was capable of creating everything else that I wanted for my life. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the most valuable why for anything that we do, because it's always not about what we're doing, but who we're becoming that's going to benefit us forever, right? What we're doing and what we're achieving in the short term is temporary, right? You make a bunch of money, you're going to spend Mm -hmm. it. Only the growth lasts forever. So to me, the universal why for anything is who we become by working towards that goal, that commitment. And then the third thing is I committed that I will make 20 phone calls a day. That was my, you know, those were the activities I committed to. And then step four was the win. Uh, Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., no matter what, there's no other option. So that affirmation formula, and again, this is an example of how the savers are taught in the book, all of them, but I, we don't have time to go this deep in each one, of course. Um, but with, with the affirmations, you're not, it's not, you're not lying to yourself. You're not using fluffy, fruity, passive language that makes you feel good that mo- you're a money magnet and money's flowing to you magically, <laughs> right? You're creating affirmations that are rooted in a, in a commitment to what you, what you want, but, but, but in formed in you know a commitment, then you're supporting that commitment by reminding yourself every single day when you read the affirmations of why that commitment is deeply meaningful to you, which gives you leverage uh, you know, to actually continue working towards it. You're then supporting the affirmation with the specific actions or activities that you are committed to following through with, and then when you're going to follow through. So now you're programming your subconscious mind, not just with the vision for what you want, but with a rock solid commitment rooted in a why supported by the activities and when you're going to follow through with them. That's how you create affirmations that will drive you every single day to do the things that will make your success inevitable in whatever area of your life you're applying the affirmations to. And I have affirmations for my health, for my business, for my family. I have affirmations for every important area of my life. So I'll pause there if you have any questions or anything. And otherwise, I'll just I'll run through the rest of the savers. Real no, quick. no, I, I love it. And I use affirmations and I've been adopting things and differently and really personalizing it for where you are. Cause I know within, within your book and everything you shared, it's, you know, you have that template for those who are listening and really interested. There's a template that Hal had started. And, and I started with that template and, and you really, really start to script it towards what, you know, really, really what you want. So no, thank you for that. And let's, let's, let's go to the next one. Yeah. So we'll go through the rest a little quicker here, but the V is for visualization. And like I said, the, the, all of the world's greatest athletes, or I won't say all, but most of them, you know, you always hear about, you know, when, when Tiger Woods was the best golfer in the world, uh, you know, quite a few years ago, he would talk about how he visualized, you know, him playing, executing this perfect swing on every hole, the perfect drive, mm-hmm. right? And when you go there in your mind in the morning, then when it's time to actually execute, whether executing, you know, whether you're swinging a golf club or you're making sales calls or you're training for a marathon or you're, you know, whatever, whatever you're visualizing in the morning, when you actually get into those activities during the day, once you've gone there in your mind and your body and your emotions in the morning, you're that much more likely to execute flawlessly throughout the rest of the day. 
Um, the E is for exercise. The E in savers is for exercise. And I am not saying that you need to dedicate all your exercise time in the mm-hmm. morning. Like some people, if you're listening, you're going, no, 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 I go to the gym after work or I, you know, my wife and I exercise or husband and I exercise in the evenings or whatever. Um, that's fine. I'm just saying that you need to do some exercise, even as little, and I'm not exaggerating, as 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. 60 seconds of jumping jacks in the morning will radically transform your mental state and your physical state and the energy that you have, right? If you wake up and you're like lethargic and oh, I'm so tired, do 60 seconds of jumping jacks. You'll be like, oh, okay, I'm awake. I'm awake. Like I got it. Okay. We could do right. Like it's a, it's a game changer. Literally 60 seconds. My favorite app for exercise is called seven minute workout. There's a free version that you can do that gives you a full body ex- workout routine, uh, you know, that works out your abs and your legs and your, you know, your core and you name it. I mean, it's really cool. So I'm just saying you need to do a little bit of exercise in the morning. For me, I'll do like 60 seconds of jumping jacks and then I'll stretch for a few minutes, get my body limber. And that's usually my exercise in the morning. And then I'll do a workout, you know, midday. Um, and then the R is for reading. And uh, again, this isn't rocket science. You know, you should read, right? Or, or you've heard of reading, right? Obviously. Um, but and I'm not saying reading Harry Potter books or 50 shades of gray or whatever, right? But I, I believe that we're all one personal development or business book away from learning the strategy that we need to learn to elevate any area of our life, right? If your marriage is struggling, there's a book for that. If you want to be happy, there's a book for that, right? In fact, there's hundreds of books for each of those. Um, you know, If you want to be a millionaire, there's quite a few books for that. In fact, we came out with a book called Miracle Morning Millionaires, how uh, what the wealthy do before 8 a.m. that will make you rich. And I uh, co-authored that with a friend of mine who's has a net worth of $70 million, right? So you imagine, well, what can you learn from somebody that has a net worth of $70 million? Anything, any book that somebody spent a lifetime figuring something out and you can read it in a matter of days or a week or whatever, right? That That's a game changer. In fact, um, a friend of mine, Joe Polish, founder of the Genius Network, we filmed, we, we interviewed Joe for the Miracle Morning documentary and asked him about reading. And I just, I love the way he put it. He said, um, it, he said, it blows my mind when I ask somebody, you know, what, what's the best book you've read in the last year? And they go, oh, I, I don't, I don't really read. I haven't right. read a book. He said, it blows my mind that in, in countries or cultures where, people have access to books and they know how to read and they're not reading. Like you can radically transform your life with one book. But if you're reading, you know, I just, in the miracle morning, I say, just read like five to 10 pages a day. That's still like nine to 18 self-help books a month or or a year. Right. So it's like a book or two a month. That's a game changer, right? You know, five pages a day, that's 150 pages uh, a month. That's the miracle morning is 142 page book, I think. Right. So that's like a book a month. Or if you're reading long books, maybe half a book a month, but you're a different person at the end of every book that you read. Sorry, I went a little little far into that one. And then the final S is for scribing. And scribing is a pretentious word for writing. Again, I owe that to the thesaurus. Thank you, thesaurus. Um, But but scribing, I use the five-minute journal. Uh, They make a hardcover edition and they make an app. I like the app because you can put pictures Mm in it. but the uh, but yeah, so the idea is, and every day, here's the main things I write down. And anybody, you don't need to buy a journal to do this. It's just simple. Number three things I'm grateful for. And when you start with gratitude, you simply become present to what you already have in your life. Many of us live in a state of lack where we focus on the gap between what we have and what we don't have, where we are and where somebody else is, where we are and where we think we should be, right? And that gap focus causes us pain versus starting with gratitude. And you go, you know what? Yeah, there's a lot of things I don't have, but you know, look, let's, let's focus on what I do have to be grateful for. And the second thing I journal is what are the three most important things for me to get done today that will move me forward in the most important areas of my life? You know, my to do list, just like yours, probably has, you know, 10, <laughs> 15, 20 things on any given day, sometimes more. And, and often we get bogged down by the lower priority activities because there's less risk in working on those, right? There's, there, there's not a big consequence on how we do on these activities. So we gravitate towards those activities. Um, and so the uh, ultimately, when we do that, right, we're not really productive. We're just busy. And so um, it ends up being, uh, the, you know, for me, I just write down what are the three most important things on my to-do list that I'm committed to getting done today. And by doing that, I ensure that my highest priorities are being completed each day uh, versus, uh, you know, uh, versus just being busy. 
So, and the last thing I'll say about the Sabres, so those are the Sabres. And Robert Kiyosaki, at the end of our interview, I feel like he kind of said it best. He summed it up by saying uh, how any successful person on the planet or every successful person on the planet, he said, I think swears by at least one of the Sabres. You know, they would attribute their success to, you know, meditation or to journaling or to whatever. He said, but I had never, before the Miracle Morning, I had never heard of anybody that did all six of the ancient best practices that are the savers. And he said, I think that's what makes the miracle morning so life-changing is any one of these would change your life. But when you do all six, you're turbocharging your personal development, you're turbocharging your, your transformation. And he said, that's what he said. I do them almost every single day and they've changed my life. And I think that's why the miracle morning is such a hit because, because of, you know, you're leveraging all six of these. And so again, I think he just summed it up really well. So that's always how I answer the no, question. No, it's, it's great. And for me, uh, I do it almost every day. So Hal, definitely thank you for putting that together. And I, I just really want to quickly, just for the folks that, and I'm sure you get this thousands times a day, and I get it as well when I talk about you know my morning routine. I get up at 5.30 before my daughter gets up so I could do it because I have morning time with Jade in the morning. I take care of her and then I bring her to daycare. But what do you say to those folks that are like, Edwin, you know what? I don't know how you do it. I'm not a morning person. Like, 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 how did you wake up that one morning and how do you teach that? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's, it was the, it was actually the biggest insecurity that I had when I was writing the book. Um, is that I thought people have such a deeply ingrained limiting belief that says, I am not a morning person. And I had the, I had the belief. Like when I first had this idea, I, I was trying to figure out when am I going to do an hour of personal development? And I'm going, well, I can't do it in the work day. I'm, I gotta, I gotta turn my business around here. I need to really focus on that. At night, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of my, I'm brain dead. I'm tired. I'm worn mm-hmm. out. Plus, it's the only time I spend with my fiance. You know what? Uh, you know, um, I thought, and then I'm looking at the morning. I'm like, I'm not a morning person. I, I, I can't wake up at 5 a.m., which is an hour earlier than my normal wake-up time. But that's crazy. And then I, I heard this voice in my head from one of my former mentors, uh, Kevin mm-hmm. Bracey. And he said, if you want your life to be different, you have to be willing to do something different first. And uh, I was like, damn it. You know, <laughs> I was like, all right, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to wake And what's interesting is once I committed to it and I started to get excited about it, it actually wasn't hard. I was actually excited to wake up. But here's what I would say. There's two things, two ways I'd answer the question. Someone's like, I'm not a morning mm-hmm. person. You know, I don't know. I would say, number one, no one is a, inherently a morning person or a, a night person. It's through conditioning, right? If you don't wake up early and you resist waking up and you hit the snooze button three times, then yeah, you're, you've trained yourself to not be a morning person, right? However, if you start waking up early, you become a morning person, right? It's kind of <laughs> like if uh, you know somebody was in the military where I believe that, you know they had to wake up really, really early. Almost everyone that came out of the military is a morning person. That's not a coincidence. It's not like they they all just only morning people join the military. It's they had to wake up early and then they became conditioned and it became easy and it became part of who they were. So that's the first thing I would say is that not being a morning person, it's a limiting belief. Like I used to think I wasn't a runner. I hated running, right? And people hate waking up early. I I hated running. And then I committed to do this ultra marathon and I had to start training for it. And I started really slowly. Like, you know, I I ran like a hundred yards my first day, you know, just getting really, really simple and gradually worked up. But guess what happened? I, I realized, oh, I'm not a runner because I don't run. <laughs> and then I started running and I became a runner, right? So the first thing I would say is that realize that if you're not a morning person, that's something you can shift by simply committing for, you know, like doing a 30-day challenge. And the first 10 days will be tough. It'll get easier and easier and easier as you go on. And the second thing I'll share is I was once asked in an interview, it was a few years ago, they said, what percentage of, you know, these half, and back then it wasn't a half million people that did the Miracle Morning, it was probably 100,000 mm-hmm. or something. And they said, you know, the, of these 100,000 plus Miracle Morning practitioners, what percentage of them were already morning people? They already considered themselves morning people before they read the book. So it wasn't hard. They just simply, instead of checking Facebook in the morning or, you know, watching TV, they just started doing the savers. What percentage were already morning people and what percentage had never in their lives been a morning person, didn't even think they could be a morning person. And uh, so this was a radical transformation and I did not know the answer. So I surveyed our community and um, we got, you know, there were now back then it was probably again, tens of thousands. It wasn't as many as it is now, but, um, but we got a huge sampling of responses and I was pretty pleasantly surprised. You could say 72% 
said, I had in my life was never a morning person until I read the book and I applied. And there's a, cha- I should say this, there's a chapter in the book called the five steps newsproof wake up strategy. It's like a four page chapter. It's arguably the most important chapter in the book. It's the linchpin because it teaches people who have never been morning people how to beat that snooze button and do it in a way that's simple, that's easy, that actually surprises people. And if it wasn't for that little short chapter, I, I, I really believe the miracle morning would not have made the impact that it's made because I think people would have not had a strategy to beat the snooze button. If they would have just learned all this, they would have gone, this is great. It makes sense. I got to wake up a little earlier. It can change my life. It can increase my income. It can do all these great things. But if I didn't give them these, you know, those strategies, they'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, I tried it for a few days and I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't right. beat that snooze button. I kept falling back asleep. Right. So, so ironically, that little chapter, it, you know, it becomes the most important part of the book, arguably, um, because of, of, you know, it is the thing that gets people over the one thing that would hold them back from, from doing the miracle. Which is morning. the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you can't, if you can't wake <laughs> up, <laughs> right, then you're, you're going to, you're going to beat yourself up, feel guilty and, you know, exactly. give up on it. Hal, I, I'm like, I'm really fascinated. I'm really enjoying our, our time together. There's, there's a couple of things that you had mentioned with, with our time, our short time together uh, is the new book coming out. I know you mentioned a documentary coming out for the Miracle Mornings. So of those, are there any other special projects or initiatives or anything fun that you're like, you're really like super psyched and you're really excited about that and looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, we have, I mean, you, you just mentioned, or I mentioned, I guess we have a cut. We have two books come out in the last couple months. We had Miracle Morning Millionaires and then Miracle Morning for Addiction Recovery, um, which is for anybody that struggles with any addiction from food to drugs, alcohol. Uh, and then the Miracle Morning documentary is just debuted at Illuminate Film Festival. It was the feature movie there, which was really exciting. And it's going to be available here in the next, probably in September, I think is when it'll come out worldwide. Um, but what I'm probably, every year, what I'm most excited about is we do an annual event called Best Year Ever mm-hmm. Blueprint. And the Best Year Ever Blueprint is, um, it's a, usually about a 300-person event. It's really different than other events in terms of, it's not just sitting there taking notes from speakers mm-hmm. the whole time. The entire time, the audience is engaged, it's interactive, it's experiential. But every year, it's just like, it's reminded that there's levels to a community. Like, that's what it reminds me of, is that, like, you know, I have, I have my email community, for example, hundreds of thousands of people that I email, but it's one way communication. Like they don't, I mean, sometimes they email back, right? But for the most part, I send an email like a new podcast or something, you know, a new article or whatever. And then we have the Miracle Morning community, which is the Facebook group. And that is really engaging. I go in there almost every day. We have 150,000 people in there and I get to see people's results. I get to comment on them. I get to engage, answer questions, right? And, but then when I go to our live event, I'm like the these are the of the hundreds of thousands of people these are the 3 or 400 people that that flew across the country or across the world people always come from different countries that are sitting in front of me that are supporting each other that I'm I'm getting to engage with face to face hug like I give out hugs like crazy <laughs> right so so that to me like is the most special it's the most intimate part of this entire miracle morning practice, process, community, you know, et cetera. And so, um, what's the website? It's best year. If anybody wants to check it out, best year ever live.com best year ever live.com. Uh, and that's got all the details. People can, you know, sign up for it, et cetera. But, but I'd say, yeah, that's what I get most excited about every year. Cause that's where it's face to face. You know, I get to see people and, and re- hug them in and real and life. Stuff, so in real time, yeah, not just like a voice over the you know internet or a you know typing or whatever. No, exactly, so, yeah. exactly. But uh, before we end, Hal, um, do you have any final thoughts, observations, or ideally, I mean, obviously, we were looking for some actionable recommendations to the business leaders who who are listening today. Yeah, I mean, whether you do the Miracle Morning or you do your own morning ritual in some different capacity, um, I really do believe that if I if I had to give one piece of advice of what will change someone's life more than anything else, and and this is why my entire life's work is the Miracle Morning. Now it's you know the the movie. I mean, all of these things. It just we just keep going with it, is because how you start your day puts you in a, in whatever state you're going to enter the day in. And either you're in a, you know, you're either waiting to the last minute to wake up and you're kind of rushed and kind of chaotic and right. And just, you know, you're fragmented and all of this, or you start the day 
Not waking up because you have to, not because you have to be somewhere or do something and waiting to the last minute to wake up until you have to be somewhere, do something or answer to somebody else. But instead, you set the alarm clock back even just a half an hour. And even if all you do is spend that time Mm -hmm. reading or meditating, you just do one of the savers. In fact, that's the Miracle Morning 30-Day Challenge that I always give at my end of my speeches is just wake up 30 minutes earlier, do one of the savers. And then if you want support, join the Miracle Morning community. Like that's it. It's real simple. 30 minutes earlier for 30 days, do one of the savers. And if you want support, join the community. But that's the thing is when you win the morning, you win the day. When you put yourself in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state in the morning, then you are in that state when you enter into your day. And like you you mentioned it earlier, you become a better father a better leader. That's what the Miracle Morning is about, is it's not just about selfishly you know, giving time to yourself, although that's important and that's not anything to be ashamed of. We, we all need to give ourselves that quality time, that me time. But what I've realized is the bigger picture is the Miracle Morning enables me to give to myself first so that I can be better for my kids when they wake up. I've already read affirmations that have reminded me of what my purpose is as a father and as a husband and as a leader. And every day by conditioning those values and that purpose, I'm becoming a better version of myself than the one I was when I went to bed the night before. And it's every single day. So I get better than I was the night before and the night before and the night before every single day. And I believe that we have a responsibility to to live to our full potential so that we can empower the people around us, those that we love and those that we lead to live to their full potential. That's great, huh, man. It's been real. Uh, it's a real pleasure. It's very inspirational. Keep doing what you're doing. But before I let you go, and I'll definitely share it on the episode website, where could we find more information about you, you know, the books or the events? Yeah. Go to MiracleMorning, MiracleMorning.com if you want info on, you know, I mean, I have my I have a site, HalElrod.com. You can either just MiracleMorning.com is easier to remember and you'll find me there. Um, and then uh, and then the books are available on Amazon. You know, if you want to get Kindle, audiobook on Audible, you know, all the formats are available on Amazon. And um, and then I always tell people, you know, join the Miracle Morning community. It's it's free. It's on Facebook. It's just a Facebook group called the Miracle Morning Community. And it's 161,000 wow. members now and from over 100 countries. And it's arguably the most uh, engaged, inspiring, supportive online community that I've ever seen and, in, in, you know, arguably in the world. And so we'd love to have you. And, uh, and you know, there's no, like I said, we're not selling anything there. It's just a place for people to support each other. Awesome. And, and you'll meet me there as well. Yeah, there you go, man. Yeah, you, we'll, we both hang out there. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Hal, for your time, for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Edwin, man, it's, it's been an honor and I, I value this so much. Thank you for allowing me to share the Miracle Morning with your listeners and everybody that listened. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you and hopefully I'll, uh, I'll catch you in the, uh, the Miracle Morning group. That's it, biz leaders. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast. Milestone episode number 70 with, with Hal Elrod. If you want to learn more about Hal the Miracle Mornings, or anything else that we discussed, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 070. This episode is brought to you by Dell Small Business, empowering Canadian entrepreneurs with the tools, technology, and resources they need to succeed. The Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. And if you have not done so yet, please subscribe to this podcast on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're listening to your podcast today. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Help me.